0: I'm yeah. excited, too. Thanks for this coming. Is
1: a topic yeah. close to my heart.
0: Oh,
2: yay. Beats it.
1: <laughs> it's because his heart's a robot. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to Widgmo.com and check them out. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 103 of the JavaScript Jabber show. This week on our panel we have Aaron Frost. Hello. Joe Eames. Hey there. Tim Caswell. Jameson Dance. Hello friends. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv and this week we have a special guest and that is Raquel Velez.
2: Hi.
1: Do you want to introduce yourself as the robot genius overlord? <laughs>
2: I would not classify myself as a robot genius, but I am Raquel Velez. I'm a senior dev at NPM Inc., and in my off time, I play with robots. I guess a little bit more background might be useful. Uh, I have a degree in mechanical engineering, and I built robots for about a decade or so. And recently, I left academia and robots and everything and decided to go onto the web, and then I discovered that. You could actually do both at the same time, and that's what I do
1: on the side. Well, there goes so. all my spare time. You can do both, huh? <laughs> so I know yeah.
3: NPM
0: Inc. has been shipping a lot of merchandise, and have you built robots to help with that yet?
2: So no, not yet. You know, uh, robots are kind of hard; they're a little complex. <laughs> but I know that some people have been wanting uh, their packages to to come in. More interestingly, so what we could do is, is we can package a package inside a package, and then we'll have a robot <laughs> deliver that package via some package service to your door. And then you can open up your package, which will have the package that has been packaged, and then you can install it yourself. I don't know that that would really help with latency, though.
4: That's really
0: meta. <laughs> so much goodwill that you wouldn't have to worry about latency.
2: Well, you know, robots are slow.
1: You're going to contract to Amazon to build their drones, right? Um, No Did
2: I say that quickly enough?
4: (laughs) They may be slow but I've seen them take down helicopters or at least node copters Yes,
2: well, you know (laughs) the node copters so so node bots and node copters have a little bit of a friendly rivalry Uh, this year's JS comp should be no I uh, know different, especially when we add node boats and node rockets to the mix. So Whoa. yes yeah.
5: who's doing node We're rockets?
2: A, a team that I have not met yet, so this should be interesting. I don't know if they're gonna like go really wild and have like super like y stuff or if it's gonna be like super calm and like kid friendly. i don't I don't know we'll right, see. Right.
0: Hmm, so. I wanted to ask about the journey from mechanical engineering, which is super low level, to running JavaScript to as like a robotics platform, which is really high level. Yeah. Um, how did that start out? I mean, did you do software in your mechanical engineering degree or did you have background in it before? Or like how did you kind of make that make that journey?
2: So in the world of robots, right, there's there's a kind of there's like a, a Three circle Venn diagram, right? You've got mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, and computer science. And then that, like, kind of cross section, that's robotics. Um, And when I was in school, I was like, I definitely want to play with robots for, like, as long as I possibly can. But electrons and I don't get along. Uh, And computer (laughs) science just seemed really heady. Like, it's, like, really brainy. Like, let's build compilers. Like, I was like, I don't really care about that. And I saw mechanical engineering as, like, arts and crafts, but with big machines. Um <laughs> That's so And cool. that was, like, super awesome to me. I was like, yes, 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 let's do this. So I did mechanical engineering, but the fact of the matter was that a lot of... So engineering is cyclical, right? Like, so uh, you can actually see it in, like, the internet, right? Like, for a long time, software was, like, the big thing. And then, like, because, like, we were limited in our hardware, and so we tried to do as much as we could with software... And then eventually, like our hardware started to catch up, and then like we ended up like having these huge server farms, and like everything was hardware, hardware, hardware. And then now people are like, "Wow, now that we have all this hardware, we can do all this really cool stuff with software." And then like so, you just kind of see this cycle over and over again, like you know, cloud, blah, blah, blah. Um, same thing happens in robotics. You've got this world of like mechanics, and like people are trying to figure out, well, how do we make this lighter and stronger and faster and like gears, etc. But when I was in college like the mechanical engineering part was mostly solved. It was like more of a, of a situation where like, if you wanted to work on the DARPA Grand challenge, like autonomous vehicle robots, you know, you you probably weren't going to be on the mechanical engineering team uh, as a freshman, but you could totally join as like a software person. So I was like, I took AP computer science. I'll try the software thing. So I actually ended up doing a lot more software as a mechanical engineer and then it was just like, okay, you know, mechanics are cool, but that's not really the problem right now. Right now, the problems are in AI and computer vision and planning and mapping and all that cool stuff. So I was like, okay, I will start. Like, so I basically, was I was like a software developer in robotics, even though I have a degree in mechanical engineering. If that makes any sense at all,
0: um. <laughs> no, that makes a ton of sense. It was basically yeah. the the easiest way to get into to working with robots because the demand was higher for software. Yeah, Is that exactly.
2: Kind of exactly. I mean, I was a freshman. I was like, I want to be on this team, and they were like, Well, we have a spot open on the on the software team. So I was like, Okay, cool, I'll do that. And like, it's just such an interesting problem. Like, there's so many interesting problems to solve, and they're all software based. We're now getting back into the realm of more mechanical stuff. Like now, people are like building robots, like nanobots, using DNA, and that's like a mechanical problem. Yeah, okay, so anyway, that'll just blow your mind. Blows my mind all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, really cool. Anyway, Call me when I can run
0: Node on DNA robots. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um,
0: we'll be invaded from San Francisco. We are Borg.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, what happened was I was in the robotics industry, and I realized that the only way for me to really move up was to get a PhD and, like... Write lots of papers and try to go on the academic track, but it wasn't really what I wanted. You know, like, like they're just, I remember studying for the GRE to go to grad school and just being like, this is dumb. I don't want to do this. And <laughs> I was like, okay, so why don't I want to do this? And it was because I just wasn't passionate about it. So, I, you know, meandered and different things. I ended up going to grad school for robotics and then I dropped out. I'm a grad school dropout. I'm proud of it.
1: You. <laughs> yeah. And, and. That's high achieving underachieving right there.
2: It really is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. I um,
1: had, I had six
4: months left on my master's and I just left for node. So you know what? That's totally cool. Yeah. It's an elite <laughs> club. You guys are part of an elite club. <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, basically. So then eventually I found my way into Node, basically because I was like, I'm bored and I want to have some fun. Who's doing fun stuff? And I found some people in my town at the time and they were like, we're doing Node. And I was like, okay, I'll do that too. And then I totally fell in love with it. And then I went to NodeConf Summer Camp 2012. So like, that was back when there was like a NodeConf proper conference with speakers. And then there was the Summer Camp where... It was basically just Node Core geeking out about Node Core, but I didn't know that. So it's like, I want to <laughs> learn about the event loop. And I show up at this thing and they're like, Domains! Let's talk about domains. And I was just like, Ah, what is this? Uh but I was there and I was talking to Chris Williams and somehow he found out that I did robots and he was like, You need to merge robotics and JavaScript and work with us on this. Cause he did a uh, node serial port, and then you've got Rick Waldron, who does uh, Johnny Five, and uh, me being kind of more of the AI type, like having more of that background, I was like, oh, there's a niche here. Like, you've got Node Zero port, which is like super low, low, like, hardware like on the metal. And then you've got uh, Fermata and you've got Johnny Five, which kind of like gives you that, that nice JavaScript, like jQuery-like interface for programming your robots and i was like okay i'm gonna start with building some matrix modules and then i kind of started bringing in some of the more interesting kinematics and uh higher level robotics theory to node and and thus Nodebots has like become a thing and then like so from there it was just like oh wow you mean any JavaScript developer can start playing with robots, and then it was just, it just took off. <laughs> so I gotta
0: ask for some definitions. Um, okay. When you say matrices, do you just mean like the like linear algebra matrix stuff?
2: Yes, exactly. So, um, yeah, not, not Keanu Reeves' matrix. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I meant like, she's you not know,
5: Jameson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know kung fu. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: know kung fu. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it was basically, so a lot of robotics is based in linear algebra, and that's not really something that we have very much of in Node Core and well uh, JavaScript not, in general. Not
0: part of the web dev.
2: It's it's not it's not. Um, but I was like, well, could we do this with JavaScript? And it turns out that yes, we can, sort of. And I've kind of made a couple mm-hmm. of intelligent, maybe not so intelligent. I, I've, I've made a couple of cuts. You know, I, I cut a couple of corners in the process of, of making. Vector, V E K T O R, uh, my matrix module, mainly like the whole floating point issue that we have, <laughs> kind of just like, kind of hand waving over it. It's like, uh, it's okay. Which is why when people are like, "Hey, we should totally build autonomous vehicles with JavaScript," I'm like, no. Um, <laughs> like I just sort of <laughs> been like, like no, it's a bad idea. But at least not with my modules, which I mean, I, I'm sure that at some point. JavaScript can get to the point where floating point issues are not going to be as scary, but for now we're kind of hand waving past it. So you also mentioned
0: kinematics, and I do not know what that is.
2: Okay, so kinematics is basically uh, think of it as movement. So if you uh, so in a in a let me let me use words that are accessible and so you if you can think call like,
0: it like you got you got to dumb it down for me. I'm fine. Yeah, I know that. it's
2: it's cool. You know, um, you know, industrial robots, right? Like the robots that build cars and stuff. Sure. Those are the ones that basically are a bunch of cylinders attached with joints. Right. And they have like a, a picker at the end, like a, a little end piece. So like you could even think about your arm as being a kinematic robot, right? Like a, like a, it's, it's just a serial manipulator is, is kind of the official term for it. But if you think about it, you just kind of like stretch your arm out and you think, your shoulder is a joint, your bicep is a link that connects your shoulder joint to your elbow joint, right? And then you've got your forearm, which connects your elbow joint to your wrist joint. And then you've got your hand, which is your end effector. And the whole point of kinematics is the understanding of movement in your robot. So we have this notion called forward kinematics, which basically says, if I know the angles of each of my joints, where is my hand at the end of it? Right. So, like, what's the, what's the location in space of my hand okay. given the different angles in my joints? Um, so
0: that's probably just some trig stuff,
2: right? Exactly, and that's it's a lot of trig stuff. Um, and it turns out that you can actually do it even faster and more interestingly with matrices and linear mm-hmm. algebra. Cool. Um, and then, kind of the next level up is inverse kinematics, which says if I put my hand somewhere in space what are the angles of my joints in order to get my hand there? But if you think about it, like you could easily have more than one solution to that problem, right? Like your elbow, you you could like, you know, move your elbow in a different position, but your hand would still be in the same spot. So like there's multiple solutions to inverse kinematic problems, whereas there's only a single solution for a forward kinematics problem. That makes any sense. Hopefully I've, that so clear.
0: one more time, forward kinematics is where you're moving from one position to another?
2: So forward kinematics is when you know the angles
0: oh, and okay. you and want to find to the position. Find the position. Okay. Right. And the other and one the is?
2: inverse is you have the okay. position, you want to know the angles. So like okay. uh, one, one way that somebody explained it was forward kinematics is you're using your arm and inverse kinematics is you're using your legs, right? Like Because you know where you want to put your foot when you're moving, but you don't know what angles you want your, like, knee and hip to be, but when you're holding your arm out, like, if you want to, like, grab something, you know what your angles of, you know the angles of your shoulders and elbow uh, are going to be, if that makes any sense.
0: No, yeah, that that makes total sense. Yeah, it's, I,
1: th- okay. I think another way to put it is that forward kinematics is I know the angle so I can figure out where I am, mm-hmm. and the inverse is I know where I want to be and I need mm-hmm. to figure out the angles to be there. Exactly.
2: So there's probably
0: like cost functions you can do with that because it, it's probably more difficult to move in certain ways with a real robotic arm than others or something, right? So exactly. you're trying to like optimize the best solution for it, basically.
2: Yeah, exactly. Which is... Which I mean, sounds so hard. It, it is. I mean, it's it, it's interesting though, right? I mean, like if you think about uh, the robots that, that put together cars, right? Like... You could just easily be like, okay, put the steering wheel on the steering column. Well, except that, you know, you, you probably already have most of the car already built at that point, so you probably don't want to smash through the window. Um, <laughs> you know, it's especially It's like
0: stops down from above. <laughs> like, what are you
1: talking about? <laughs>
2: <laughs> just maybe. So, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting problem and in a lot of like so that's that's kind of one of the angles that I've taken, no pun intended, and you know, Yeah, (laughs) I love puns. They're so awesome. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to be exploring some other options in terms of, like, path planning and mapping and and stuff like that. Like, I've tried to hit those different topics in my various talks and and stuff like that, just to kind of get people excited about the mathy part of robotics.
0: So I feel like I'm kind of in between, well... Not close to your level, but sort of in between, like the person that knows nothing at all about hardware and electronics, and someone like you who has a deep background in robotics. Mm-hmm. I played around with Arduino stuff. I've done like a fair amount of just tinkering, but not with anything that moves, because that stuff all seems really hard. Mm-hmm. So, how do I get started? Does that question make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, so give me a little bit more background. So, so, so far... I,
0: I can make like the LEDs blink. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I don't know. I can, I can. <laughs> Do stuff with pins on an Arduino. And that's kind of the extent of my hardware experience.
2: Okay. Awesome. So your, your, your mission, should you choose to accept it, and I think you will, will be to add a servo into your system. And the benefit of using a servo is A, servers are fairly cheap. And B, it's pretty easy to, to add that into your system without actually having to do very much effort, right? Like you put your power. So servos have like red, white, and black, right? And Mm -hmm. so, your red is gonna be your power and your black is gonna be your ground, and then your white is your signal. And so you, you don't even have to worry about resistors or anything like that. Just like plug those straight in using jumper cables, a breadboard, whatever you want to do. And then just kind of start playing around. Like you can you can use Johnny 5 to kind of start moving the servo up and down and then start adding more servos. Start adding sticks to things. Like people think it's kind of ridiculous when we show up at NodeBots events and we have like popsicle sticks and hot glue. <laughs> Like, that's what we have with us. We're like, here you go, popsicle sticks and hot glue. Oh, and here's a bunch of cardboard and some scissors. Uh, Have fun. (laughs) And it's like, what is this, arts and crafts time? It's like, yeah, it is. Because there's so much about, like, building your robot out. And I think the best thing to do, and I say this to everybody, whether they're getting into web or getting into robotics, is to just come up with a project and start, you know, just start playing around. Let's say you want to build, like, a dog bot. Right? Like, so you'll have like a chassis, right? That's your body. And then you need four legs, right? And so what do you need for those four legs? Well, you can start off with four servos that just kind of go back and forth some uh, limited amount number of degrees. And then see if you can program it to know, well, a dog, right? Like they move their front paw and their back paw, like, you know, front right and back left. And then they move their front left and back right. And then see if you can get it to walk, right? And then you're like, oh, but this is really janky looking like robot. Like it's like, is like skipping like weird and it's like flopping around and looks really bleh. So you're like, okay, obviously dogs have more joints than just the shoulder joints or hip joints. So let's add more. And then you just kind of like keep playing around with it and try to get it to balance and everything like that. It turns out that there are, like, lots of mathematical equations for you to, like, figure out, well, where's the center of mass, and how do we make this work effectively and blah, 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 blah. But forget all of that and just start playing. Because the math stuff helps to explain stuff, but it can also get in the way of you being creative and having fun. So I say go out, have fun, and then learn the math later if you really, really want to. Hmm.
5: Aaron, you were going to say something. No, she was talking about um popsicle sticks and uh just silly little robots that are actually really cool to learn with at at NGConf we did something with the guys who do Cylon and we use like pipe cleaners and Play Doh and it was like we're yeah, we're making little robots with them and it was actually really cool to see that you could play around with this stuff with a bloody pipe cleaner, you know, and and yeah. get feedback from a pipe cleaner. I was like, how, how do you possibly get output from a pipe cleaner, but you can? So it's really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Did you use Conductive Play-Doh?
5: They brought it. Uh, the guys from, I can't remember their company, um, but they brought it Also, so I'm not sure what p- kind of Play-Doh it was.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah, because there's um, if any of you have access to children. They
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know where I can find a few of those.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, don't I don't use kids.
2: yeah there's there's this uh there's this stuff called squishy circuits and it's uh really really cool you can basically have like multiple types of um like you you basically create this play-doh at home and like one has sugar and the other one has salt and i mean it's totally kid safe and kid-friendly right like if they ate some like it'll be fine but what's really cool about them is that they're conductive and so you can actually like pop some battery power in there and then like start like connecting them together and you can actually make some like, like really cool little circuits out of Play-Doh. And like, you know, I, I say access to kids because like three and five and seven year olds are like, Whoa, this is so cool. But uh, the truth is that like you start out, like you use them as an excuse and then you play with it yourself. And then you have like way more fun. <laughs> Cause you're like, Oh my God, I'm playing with Play-Doh and I can make the servo move using Play-Doh. And, uh, The person behind that, uh, she actually helped teach me robots. She was one of my TAs in college. And like, she she makes sure that like, you get a little bit more of that understanding of like, electronic principles using all this stuff. And then, you know, you can kind of grow from there.
1: Is a servo just a fancy word for a motor?
2: Um, so it's different from a motor. Slightly different. So you've got like three types of motors, basically, in general. You've got like, Your basic motor, which all it does is you add some power to it and it just starts spinning, right? And there's no logic behind it. It just goes. Then you have a a stepper motor, which basically keeps track of how many rotations you're going. And so you can do a little bit more like fine-tuned measurements. And then you've got a servo, which basically has like a little uh, mechanism in there that tells you exactly where your how much it has rotated. Uh So like you can basically put in an angle measurement and say like, you know, I want this to turn to 55 degrees and it'll turn to 55 degrees and it'll stay there. So I thought Um, you
0: had to keep track of all that yourself.
2: No, it's awesome. You don't. Uh (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. It it uses pulse width modulation, which is just a fancy way of saying it, it puts more juice in for bigger angles and less juice in for smaller angles. And so you say, I want it to go to 55 degrees and it says, okay, well, fifty five out of one eighty is this much, so I'm gonna put in this much juice and and then like blah blah blah. Like and that's all done at like the hardware, like firmware level. And so you don't have to like it's totally abstracted for you. You can just be like servo dot move forty five and you're
4: good. So it's not actually a digital signal, it's just it's just measuring the frequency of the flicker.
2: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 d- it depends on, on the servo, obviously, but I think the cheaper ones are just like more juice, more angle, less juice, less angle. You also have digital servos. You know, so. so, how
5: There's, much is a servo? Like you said, the prices are cheap, just to kind of give us people who yeah. are thinking about it. How much? Um, what, what are the prices on them?
2: So, like your super duper cheapo servo that you're going to get out of like the inventor's kit or something, you can get that for like 2 or $3. Now, granted, you get what you pay for, right? So, if you're just starting out and just trying to figure out what's going on, I highly recommend getting a Spark Fun Inventors Kit or similar. I know Adafruit has something similar and uh Makeshed has something. But basically you'll get like a bunch of components in a box for like a hundred bucks. That'll give you enough to just start, to just get started and and have fun and, and play around. And you'll know in your head that like if you bust something, it's not gonna be more than a couple of dollars to replace. As you get more familiar with how things work and how things are going and, and are willing to put in more money and invest, you could easily be paid. So like for the robot I had at JSConf, I think I paid like $12 per servo for that. And those are like good quality servos. If you have a chance to play SumoBots with us at a NodeBots event, those are like $15 servos. But if you see some of the stuff that like Rick Waldron's doing with like a biped robot and he's got these like massive servos that can allow for more torque and more power, those can be like thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, a hundred dollars, depending on what you want. But to get started, it's really reasonably priced. Like, you know, hundred dollars to play around with all sorts of different ideas is is a really good buy, I think.
1: Hmm. So one thing that I'm thinking about is that my kids' school, they have after-school programs that kids can do. And I think this would be really fun mm-hmm. <laughs> with the kids. I mean, you know, first through sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a daughter in first grade and a son in second grade. And I'm just trying to figure out, okay, so this inventor's kit looks really nice. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to decide what projects would work out well for them, like some ideas of some things that I can and have them do that they'll actually you know, look at and get excited about? Because I'm not convinced that they'll be excited about, oh, the light turned on or, oh, the the servo turned or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, you've got a couple options. The first one is what I call the bait and switch maneuver, which is you play with stuff and you get excited about turning <laughs> on an LED and uh, getting a servo to turn and coming up with little projects with popsicle sticks, et cetera. And then they show up and they're like, what is that and you'd be like oh i don't know Do you want to play and then you know then you kind of bait and switch so that's one option word of warning your kids are probably way more creative than you ever expect them to be and they can probably handle a lot more of stuff than you probably ever expected but you already knew this because mm-hmm. they're your kids and i'm not saying anything new so they are like they'll just run with it they'll be like oh my god let's make a giraffe, you know and like just to, like start, like you'll have one kid who's going to be like all mechanically and they're going to like start building this whole popsicle monstrosity and the other kid's going to sit there and be like, okay, how do we hook this all up together and blah, 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 blah And that'd be super cool. Um, so that's option one. Option two is if there's something that you know that they already like, maybe one of your kids really likes Legos, maybe, you know, one of your kids really likes animals or whatever. I don't know. I don't know your kids, no,
1: you pick both but- of my kids. My son loves Legos, my daughter loves animals.
2: Okay, so what you could do is there is a kit called the Lego Mindstorms. I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, it's about... This one's a little bit more pricey, right? It's like $300.
5: They're
1: totally cool, though. I have been eyeing those for a year or so now. We do a huge event with them every year. They're lots of fun. Because I want to play with them. I mean, I want to get them for my kids. That's what I meant.
2: No, of course, (laughs) of course. Fun factoid. uh, Back in... I want to say 2005-ish. I remember like the first time I played with Lego Mindstorms, and I read somewhere that the average user of the Lego Mindstorms kit was a 35-year-old man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That does not "Uh, shock me.
2: That is really funny. So yeah, like get the kit, (laughs) get the kit, and and just like what's nice about the Lego Mindstorms kit is that not only is it Lego, so it's really easy to play around with. But it's also like like they have a whole bunch of like preset things that you can do with it. You can kind of play around and they have their own motors and they have different sensors and things that you can play with. And you can choose if you want to use their kind of weird programming language that is really visual. It's like blocks. You like you drop blocks yeah. together and it's, it's
5: it's the Google's app inventor. If anyone ever used that.
2: Right. Or last by-
5: Or LabVIEW,
2: yeah. Yeah, it's just like LabVIEW. Or you can actually flash the firmware on the Lego brick, and you can use C or JavaScript or, like, all sorts of things. I don't know if you can use Node yet. I know that, I want to say, Andrew Nesbitt in the UK has created a a flashed, like, option for Lego Mindstorms. Somebody did. I know that he tweeted about it once. But, yeah, so I know that you can you you can probably use JavaScript on the Lego Mindstorms as well if you wanted to just kind of stick with that. Or if you want to do other stuff, that's also a perfectly valid option. I personally, my first robotics competition I ever did was with the Lego Mindstorms. And I did it using Robot C, which is like a really simple, like simple version of C. And uh, I did pretty well in my little robotics competition. So that holds a, a near and dear place in my heart. But yes.
0: So we've talked a lot about all the different hardware and kits and, and options and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask, kind of bring it back towards JavaScript, and ask what yeah. is unique about doing this in JavaScript. Is it just because the community is very large and excited, or is there, is there something unique to the language, or I don't know, is it like right place, right time, or or what do you think?
2: Yeah, so um, so I have I have opinions. Um, <laughs> I, I think I want to hear them. Yeah, yeah. So traditional robotics has kind of always been in like. C plus plus and Python. Like if you if you go online and you look at the job description for a Google roboticist, it says you know you need a PhD and well preferably a PhD and at least five years of robotics experience, knowledge of Unix and C plus plus and or Python and blah, blah 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 blah. You know, snooze alert. Also. Wow, that's a lot, a lot, a lot of effort and time to put into this stuff before you get to work on these, like, really cool robots. My personal opinion is that you shouldn't have any barriers to being a roboticist. You should just be allowed to build a robot using whatever you want. So for that reason, I think JavaScript is an amazing language because so many people use JavaScript at this point. Like, various, there are so many different, like, polls out there that say, like, what language is most popular right now. And All of them say that JavaScript is in the top five, right? If not the number one, it's like the top five, just in terms of like use, like overall global use. Like if you're on the web, you've probably touched JavaScript, even if it's in the form of jQuery. So the fact that it's so easy and it's so broad, like out there, like it means that you can just kind of get started. Somebody, I I was watching this talk at Cascadia JS and it was like this 15 year old kid. It was awesome. And he talked about, like, why JavaScript, why he decided to learn JavaScript. It was because you didn't have to set anything up on your computer. You could literally just go to your browser, go into the inspector window, and start programming in JavaScript. You know, like, var equals, you know, var A equals a string, hello world, you know, console.log A. Like, boom, done. Like, you didn't have to set anything up on your computer. You just needed to have a browser. So, in that sense, JavaScript's usability is just incredible and widespread and... If you're already programming JavaScript, why should you ever be limited in playing with robots? You shouldn't. The other thing is that in the world of robotics, there's a lot of unsolved problems, right? It's hard. It's really difficult in terms of just understanding, well, how do we, how do we make the world, the mechanical world, the computer world think in a similar way to our human world? And uh, the perfect example is this idea called sensor fusion. So, if you're a human, right, you have multiple sensors. You've got your eyes, you've got your ears, you've got your nose, you've got your mouth, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Um, no, those aren't sensors. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you have, these, you have all these sensors, too, and somehow, magically, your brain takes all of these inputs and says, okay, I understand where I am and what I'm doing, and I can now make a decision about what I want to do next and where I'm going to go next, right? Robots. If you think about how you're going to do that, that's way more complicated a problem, right? Now you need you need some sort of vision option, which will be probably like cameras or something, right? But then you need depth as well. So you have to add some, either have more cameras so you can have depth perception, or you need like a radar, like some sort of radar sort of thing to kind of say, this is how far things are for me. And then for touch, you need like bumpers, for sonar, like, you know, if you want to hear things, like now you need a microphone, like you've got all of these different things. And then the question of how to fuse that input, all those inputs together is really hard, right? So how do you, how do you do that? And if you think about it in like a C++ type of environment, you're using threads, right? You've got, you've got a threaded system. So each thread has its own proprietary sensor or each sensor has its own proprietary thread. And then you have some machine in the background that's saying, okay, You know, cameras, I have information from you. Depth information, I've got it from you. Microphone, blah, 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 blah. But then how do you make sure that it's all time synced? How do you make sure, like, what if you have latency? What if you have noise? What if you have, like, so it's a really difficult problem. On top of that, you're using all these threads. So I always think about this whole notion of what if you try to attack the problem in a completely different way, right? Like, you see a brick wall, and you're like, I need to get onto the other side. Do you climb over it? Do you try to smash a hole through it? Do you try to climb under it? Or do you just look to the left and realize that it ends and just kind of go around it, right? Like there are so many different ways of attacking the same problem. But if you're so embedded in this threaded ecosystem, what might you miss if you were to suddenly turn around and try to use an asynchronous ecosystem? Like what would that mean? What could that mean? I don't know the answer, but from a researcher, scientist, type of point of view, like, we got to try. So I am kind of opinionated on on this, and I know, but I think that if we give JavaScript developers the opportunity to tackle this problem, we might be really surprised by what they come up with. And, like, this is the same reason why I I, push so hard to get people of all different backgrounds and everything to try the stuff that we're doing all the time because the different perspective and the different knowledge that people have could just surprise us in ways that we never imagined. And who knows, maybe JavaScript is the solution to a sensor fusion problem. I don't know.
0: Huh. I'm just thinking about all that stuff. Sorry, go ahead. I
4: was just gonna say, talking back to accessibility and getting kids into it, the thing that I had fun with last summer was getting a Chrome app or Chromebook to talk formata directly Mm -hmm. and the proof of concept actually got working by the end of the hack day. And you can take an off the wall Chromebook from Walmart, plug in an Arduino that's, that has been flashed with formata and just download this app and you can talk to it. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to install this thing. You don't have to download Java or whatever these dependencies are. And what other language has that kind of accessibility than JavaScript?
2: I don't know. I mean, right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's amazing how you could just so quickly get involved and just start tinkering. JavaScript is easily my favorite prototyping language. You know, anything I want to do, I start with JavaScript. And then if I need something else, then I'll go to something else. But so far, I haven't, in the last couple of years, I haven't needed anything but JavaScript to do anything that I want, which I think is kind of awesome.
4: One of the issues I had using Node for these kind of background robotic things is it uses a relatively large amount of RAM on these little devices. Mm. Like, I have this, I have this TP-Link router that I got from China, and they use them as robot brains. They stick sensors to them and do weird things like locking doors or who knows what. But these devices have 8 to 16 megabytes of RAM, Mm -hmm. and a stock node process is like 12 megs. Mm -hmm. And you still need room for the OS. And so I've been trying over the past years to like find ways to reduce the JavaScript footprint, but still have this nice high-level scripting environment. And it's a fun area to explore.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, part of me is just like, eh, wait a, wait a year or two. You'll get more, you'll get more <laughs> space. Like, whatever, the hardware situation will just, eh. <laughs> but that's not, that's obviously not the, like, that's the lazy approach, right? That's the, oh, well, if you just wait a little while, you'll get more space for just as little money. But yeah, no, it's, it's definitely an interesting question. I don't know. Do we, so the, the, the question is then, do we, do we go the Tesla approach and have like, a not quite JavaScript option, right? That converts to Lua, or do you go with the variety of, of other options that are currently out there, like a JavaScript on hardware? It's an interesting problem. So far, I haven't seen a full JavaScript, like full, like totally 100% legit ECMAScript, you know, option on hardware. Nobody's done that yet. It's always been, well, we're going to kind of do JavaScript-like. So.
4: What do you mean on did you hardware?
0: Say, did you say Tesla?
2: Tesla, yeah, Tesla.io. So, those are, the, hardware,
0: those are the boards that just, you can run JavaScript straight on them, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. And those there's are another crazy. one. Yeah, I, there's another one and I totally forgot the name right now. But, like, this is a thing. Like, like people are, are like, well, JavaScript is a thing. So, and hardware is a thing. So let's merge, let's marry the two together, right? And let's see how that goes. And some very successful stuff so far. But the JavaScript enthusiasts who are like, really like, oh my God, JavaScript is my religion. They don't like it so much because it's not real JavaScript, quote unquote. Uh, but then you have the other people who are like, oh, this isn't real hardware because it has JavaScript on it. Like, why would you do it? Like, I mean, so there's, there's haters everywhere. Uh, no, you can't win. But the people who are like, all I want to do is I want to use this language that I know to turn the lights on and off in my house from far away. Like, this is perfect. This is everything I want it to be. So I don't know. I just say everybody, whatever go have fun just have fun I
5: don't care stop arguing go have fun so AJ actually just posted in our chat here a link to Mm TESL.io I guess it's a new microcontroller that's coming out this spring Mm -hmm. and it's claiming it says Tesla's a microcontroller that runs JavaScript it's node compatible you can oh sorry you guys were just talking about that
2: (laughs) it's all good though (laughs) No, I mean it's, Tesla is it's uh, it's promising. It's it's interesting, and you know there's there's a lot to be said for it, and and it, it could be I don't know it, it could be
4: exciting. So have you have you seen the duct tape VM? New I haven't. One? It I haven't. it looks to be a pretty fully implemented JavaScript implementation as a very minimal VM, like basically how Lua is written. It's a very similar CAPI and architecture. So you you get a lot of the memory footprint of Lua, but mm-hmm. with real JavaScript. That's awesome. So that sounds very interesting. I'm gonna when I get some time, I'm gonna say about binding that to libuv and
3: make a node light or something.
2: Nice, do it. Go for so, it.
3: <laughs> so how good is uh, Johnny Five though? So how good is Yeah, it?
2: like define good, like
3: <laughs> easy, easy <laughs> He's usable
0: evil. as a oh, as a as a starting let point. Let me let me lay it out for you, Joe. I can do stuff with Johnny Five.
3: <laughs> oh wow. So, so yeah, so that's much. how easy it is to use.
4: Johnny Five is jQuery.
3: Oh, A yeah, hat could probably Mata. do stuff with it. Then, oh, well,
2: probably. I mean, it, it is. If you know jQuery, you can handle. Like, if, if you've only played with jQuery, if you understand the general syntax of jQuery, you can do Johnny Five. Like, it's literally as easy as declaring your servo variable. That is, uh, you use the servo constructor, and then you say, like, so you, you know, var servo gets servo constructor. You know, that's it. And then you can basically say servo.move and you put in like a number or like if you you, if you want an LED, you say var LED gets the LED constructor uh, on pin 13 and then you say LED.on, LED.off, LED.strobe. You know, like there are so many options you can do. It's really easy. It's really, really easy.
3: So at the end of this episode, we're going to have like a thousand people that are going to say, I want to go play around with robotics and JavaScript. What do you think is the way that they should go then? Johnny five. And
2: I think so. I'm, I'm partial to Johnny five probably because I'm really good friends with Rick, but it's just so easy. There are other options, right? Like there's Cylon JS, which is a, it's a different implementation. It attacks the problem differently, but I really like the jQuery like sort of thing. Uh, just because so many of us probably got our start with jQuery and it just flows. It just feels really natural. And you don't need much, right? You, you get an Arduino for 20 bucks and set of stuff. I mean, like literally a hundred bucks to just kind of get started, have fun. Yeah. Or, or just come to a node, node box event. Like these events are happening all over the world, literally all over the world. We've had. Events in Australia and Columbia and the UK and then in so many different cities around the U.S. If you're in the Bay Area, we do one once a month. And so that's super fun. I know in New York they're doing them pretty regularly as well. So if you don't want to even spend any money at all, just show up to one of these events and just like be like, All right, Rockbot told me you would have an Arduino for me to play with. May I please <laughs> have an Arduino? And then be <laughs> like, Oh, well, if Rockbot said and fine. Yeah, go ahead. Use my name. It's fine.
3: <laughs> and then, drop can we get you to give us some, like, some links to recommend hardware that you would recommend, like starter kits, Arduino starter kits you would think are good?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd, I'd be happy to do that. I'll do that We
3: separately. can put those in the show notes.
2: Yeah.
0: So, um, you've mentioned the NodeBot events. I'm sure we'll have a link to those, too. Mm-hmm. How else do you find kind of a community? Is there like a secret cabal that meets on IRC that you can like sneak into or uh, I know like the maker scene is kind of related to this stuff too.
2: Absolutely. Okay. So there's a huge community of people out there just in terms of making stuff, right? So you can always go to like your local hackerspace and they'll, they'll introduce you to Arduinos pretty easily as well, but they might not do JavaScript Arduinos. Right. So, so keep that in mind, but you know, whatever on IRC, there's uh the room hashtag #robotjs it's been pretty quiet lately so if people started showing up and chatting i would chat too so haha now everybody has homework um <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so there's there's that and then but otherwise a lot of stuff happens in the johnny5 repo like people are constantly putting like issues etc it's a pretty strong open source project i think And then just at any, like, uh, there's so many different conferences that are having NodeBots events now. Like, JSConf last year was the first one to have a NodeBots-dedicated event within the conference. And that was a full-day thing. We just had pretty much every component under the sun, and you could just build whatever you wanted. And then that grew. Like, we had events at NodeConf, and then we had International NodeBots Day. And people are doing those all over the place, like I said. And then there was RobotsConf which was a pretty big conference last year that it was basically we took the middle day of, of JSConf last year that was like node bots for a day and we turned it into any type of bots for 3 days or 2 days it was a 2 day event and so that one was language agnostic it, if you wanted to do node bots or ruby bots or python bots or whatever
5: it i was curious game. what language kind of like championed there though was it i i was there and i feel like it was javascript but Maybe that's just because that's what I used.
2: Yeah. I mean, I saw, like, we had, everybody had those, like, you know, when you go to a bar or something, like, they give you that that wristband, that, like, plasticky wristband. We had different colors for your language, and, like, it was just a rainbow of colors. Like, you know, there were people who did C and C++, like, C-flavored stuff and Python stuff. And there were a bunch
0: stuff. of Ruby people, too, yeah.
2: Yeah, there's a ton of Ruby people. There's, like, a, a few people who are like, I don't do web. <laughs> I don't do web, but I'm going to be here and play with robots anyway. Like, and... That was it was really cool. Super, super cool. So yeah, there's a huge community of people out there. If you're not specific about JavaScript, you can find an even bigger community, right? Like there are maker fair events all over the place. Definitely go seek out your local hackerspace. If you don't have one, start one or find a bunch of kids. There's so many opportunities for getting involved in the community. But definitely, if you want to do specific like NodeBot type stuff, definitely recommend a NodeBot event. Um, and nodebots.io, we definitely have information on like how to start a nodebots event in your community. I think I think we're going to try to do another international nodebots day, which is basically all the nodebots cl- groups in the world on a single specific day have their event, and then we can all like Skype or Google Hangout at each other and be like, look at my robot! It's so cool! It's pretty fun.
1: That's awesome.
2: It's pretty fun.
1: I'm excited. I'm excited to go play with this stuff. <laughs> um, I would like to
3: Ask uh, if you've played around with a uh, and using Cylon JS for it.
2: So I have seen a bunch of su- uh, seen a bunch of Spheros. Uh They're super cool and fun, and they light up and they're bright and stuff. I have not uh, actually programmed them yet at all, but I have seen people using Cylon, and I have seen people using kind of like a a Node like Johnny Five ish. Like, oh, there's a there's a Node Sphero module. Yeah. Uh, that you can use. The big issue with Spheros is that if you have too many in the same space because they're Bluetooth enabled, there can be a little bit of difficulty, but if it's just you and yourself, like hanging out at home, it's totally cool. A really cool game, by the way, with Spiros is, um, to get a bunch of like planks of wood or sticks or something and have, uh, like if you want to like get kids involved, have them kind of program the Spiro. To solve a maze using the sticks—that's like mm. a really fun game that is interesting but simple. Like, like a really simple setup. You know, all you need is a sphere and a bunch of sticks. But then it will provide hours, days, weeks, months of entertainment, depending on how far you want to make it go and and stuff like that. So that's a pretty exciting
5: thing too. Like I was going to recommend that on another robot to kind of for people to get introed into kind of node body. Mm-hmm. Spheros is Spheros a cool little robot. Um They're super non-intimidating because it's just like a a friggin' ball. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about a million moving parts. Yeah. And um at NG Conf, that was like our only hack night, was a hardware hack night. And we had like the hybrid group brought like 60 of the Spheros. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of the Bluetooth thing that you're talking about.
3: Yeah.
5: Our funnest app, I think, was a tug of war. Half the room would tweet the word blue, and half the room would t- tweet the word red,
4: and it would kind of tug a war back and forth. But
5: but yeah, <laughs> it's it's another cool little non-intimidating robot to kind of get started with.
3: Yeah. Which,
4: which Bluetooth is that? Is that the older one or the new low, en- low energy? I think that most of the ones that we had there were the
5: Sphero 1.0, so they had an older Bluetooth. But the new
4: ones have the Bluetooth LE, so... Yeah, I think that doesn't conflict as bad. I'm not sure. Or at least um, I hope.
0: I've had people ask me about a Raspberry Pi versus an Arduino as far as ease of getting started. And my yep. stock answer is that Arduinos are a lot easier to get started with if you're just manipulating some pins, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you have an opinion on the Arduino versus Raspberry Pi thing?
2: Um, I do. I think the benefit of the Raspberry Pi is that it's a computer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a full-on computer. The Arduino yeah. is just a microcontroller. So. I think that in terms of, of just getting started, like plugging in a USB, plugging in an led, your best bet is, is an Arduino. But if you want to do more complicated things like having a wireless, uh, system that like, so one thing my husband and I want to do is we want to have a button, like a, a music button. So that when we get into the house, we can just like hit a big red button and then like have music start playing in our house.
0: that <laughs> oh, that'd man, be super so fun. Cool. Right
2: and we're like well we can't really do that with an arduino because then we're going to have to have like cabling and all of this stuff whereas if we just had this low you know passive sort of thing like button like if we had like multiple buttons around the house then we could just like hit one button and then have it like send a signal to say a raspberry pi then it would be able to like you know it's it's a computer all on its own we don't have to have something extra like one of the downsides of playing with an arduino is that um, especially with like johnny 5 and stuff if you want it to do anything interesting, all the computing is done on your home laptop or on, like, on your, on your regular computer. Right. And then like the Arduino only takes the commands. And so like, I've cut the cord by using XBs, which are like little radios that, so like, instead of using a USB cable, you can use XB to kind of have over the air communication to say like, you know, if I'm using a, a Bluetooth uh, PS3 controller, then I can, like, you know, move a robot around with just my controller. But it's not the the Bluetooth controller talking to the Arduino. It's the Bluetooth controller talking to the computer and then the computer sending commands to the Arduino. Whereas with a Raspberry Pi, you would basically take out the computer because it is a computer, right? So then you could actually have, if you had, like, a Bluetooth-enabled piece, then you could, like, have the Bluetooth actually controlling the robot itself. Sure. So... Yeah, it really depends on what your project is and what you want to get out of it. Now, I just
0: want to ask you what other cool ideas you have for stuff to do to your house. (laughs) We're about to move into a new house, and it'll be the first time I can, like, rip stuff out of the walls. Well,
1: I think think it's interesting you're talking about this, but a lot of the things that you're talking about have been handled by a lot of the home automation stuff. So, a lot of them have motion sensors and light sensors and... You know, you can actually not only turn on and off your lights in a room, but they'll detect that somebody walked past or is in the room, and then can turn around and automate a lot of that stuff too through your Wi-Fi. Yeah. So, but it's so much cooler to
0: make it yourself.
1: That that's what I'm wondering is where's the line between home automation and you know robotics, like what we're talking about here?
2: So the line is it's it, the line is the same as home improvement, right? So. If you are willing to build your own table, then you should build your own table. Similarly, if you're willing to build your own, you know, music starter upper button, then you should do that. If you are not willing to tear up your entire kitchen and make your entire kitchen from scratch using everything that you can find at your local home improvement store, then you probably should not go in and take out all the wiring in your house and redo everything so that you can have motion detectors, etc. Like scope is important. <laughs> Cost is important. And amount of time that you're willing to spend on something is also important. So my personal line is if I can work on something on the side and it doesn't affect my day-to-day life, and then it just adds something fun at the end of the day, then I'm totally going to do it. Because even if I don't finish that project, it doesn't mean that I don't have a kitchen. Right, like a <laughs> stove or something, like I need my kitchen. I don't necessarily need the music button, though but it would be really awesome if I did, and then, I mean, and then the course is also just how much do you end up learning about electronics and home automation and et from building this one you know music button, like there's so many options, learning a new api etc. et cetera yeah, that's it.
1: cool or are, are, are there any other things that we should talk about here before I want we-
0: to? I want it to last forever, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, can always, day, you can always, always, always tweet at me. I'm actually, like, really good at responding to tweets on Twitter and terrible at responding to emails. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but, yeah, so anytime you want to chat, like, by all means, tweet at me. We'll chat. I'll share my crazy ideas. Come on to Robot JS IRC and... We'll make our employers think that we're typing very furiously on our projects. Although <laughs> let's be honest, I really have a lot of work
3: to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You're in a startup. I think they'll feel it if you back out. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. There's so many things I, I've got to do on my list. So.
1: All right. But. Well, let's go ahead and get into the picks. Aaron, do you want to start us with picks? Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of thinking ahead
5: to next week when the, when this episode will go out. I'm gonna pick, I have like 80,000 picks. So, a lot of people like the Jamisons, they like, they love NodeConf and RobotsConf. But there's a lot of people who, like, they, they have one conference a year they want to go to, and that's Google I.O. And about 80,000 people are going to get an email next week saying that they didn't get accepted to go. (laughs) And they're going to get that the day after we release the podcast. So I'm just going to pick all 80,000 of them and tell them that we love them. And don't be sad. There's always next year.
4: (laughs) That's my pick. All right. Tim, what are your picks? I picked Duct Tape JS that I mentioned earlier because I think it's awesome someone made it. A minimal JavaScript runtime that seems fairly complete and I've been wanting that for years. I just never had the time to do it myself. So yeah. That's my pick. Jameson, what are your picks?
0: I have three picks. One is a music pick music pick that I thought I had picked before but I haven't. It's this band called Frog Pocket. They do um really glitchy electronic music. The buzzword is IDM. I'll post a link on YouTube to one of their uh one of their songs, and if you don't like the song then you'll probably really hate them. But if you like this song, then you'll really like them. My next pick is Homestar Runner because holy crap, they just updated their website after like five years and it's so good. Oh man, Homestar Runner is a big part of my youth and it's it's awesome to see them adding more stuff. And my other pick is a game called Towerfall. We have a PlayStation 4 at work and this is literally the, the only thing we've ever used it for. It's this like $10 indie game that you can download. It's kind of like Super Mario mixed with Super Smash Brothers. It's just a blast for local four-player What's it called? Towerfall. They have it on PC and on Ouya and on the PlayStation Store, too. I don't think it's on Xbox, but... and It, it has to be local. You can't play online just because it's, it's so twitchy and fast and stuff. But if you have one of those platforms, you should totally play it. And those are my picks.
1: Alright, Joe, what are your
3: picks? My first pick is going to be the PC game Titanfall. I uh, picked that up uh week or week and a half ago, and I've been playing it. And of course, I can't imagine anybody who hasn't heard of Titanfall because it was such a hugely advertised game. But it's actually been really fun. I picked it up on the PC because I think that shooters on a console are retarded. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I do enjoy it. It's not like I think there are better shooters out there, but it is really quite fun. My second pick is going to be SaltCon, and this is my final pick as well salt count is a three day conference held somewhere in the salt lake city area every year and it's just three days of playing board games it's not like an expo where you go and just go to booths it's just tables set up and board games you can go grab and play and meet new people and play board games and similar type games as well dice games and role-playing games but primarily board games and i got to see a bunch of really cool games that are Going to be coming out in the next few months, either the ones that got kickstarted or something, and maybe I'll pick those in future episodes.
1: Very cool. All right. I'm going to pick a couple of things that I've been using lately. Um, one of them is Diablo 3. I've been playing that off and on. It's just a nice little escape for, it takes me anywhere from a half hour to 45 minutes to complete a series of quests, so to speak, you know, to get one major thing done, I guess. So that's just, just enough time for me to kind of relax and then go back headfirst into work. Another one that I'm going to pick is FlowDoc, flowdoc FlowDoc.com. It's a chat room for teams. The cool thing about it is that you can set up multiple rooms or flows or whatever they call them. And then within each one, you can actually have different contexts. So if you uh, type something in, then somebody else can actually pick up the thread and reply to just that thread, comment on it. And that's really convenient if you're having a conversation with somebody. And, you know, you don't want the whole mess of stuff that comes through in things like an IRC channel. You get that, too. You kind of get the fire hose, and then you get the filtered hose um on the other side. And you can also set up notifications in it and things like that. Really, really handy. And I have also... uh I've been using their desktop app on my Mac, and it seems to work all right. So those are my picks. Raquel, what are your picks?
2: Okay, so... I am a huge, huge fan of the Pastry Box project. That's the Pastry Box project with hyphens.net. I am a little biased because I write for them this year, but the thing I love about it is it, it, it's just a beautiful daily look at the way people think, especially in our industry. Because it's not really very technical, but um, not always, sometimes it is, but there's just some really cool, like, perspectives and stuff that are in there, and I, I think it's it's good for the brain. My next one is cuteoverload.com because we all need cute things in our life, especially when there are moments where you're just like, I hate trolls and I hate the world, but oh, look, it's a really cute bunny. And then (laughs) it's springtime in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, I think that is a good excuse for people to go to their local parks and to explore the outside world. I know that as developers, we have a tendency to kind of Stay inside a lot and not get as much sun as we need because, you know, work or something. But there's probably a tree in your neighborhood. Go and just look at it.
0: <laughs> like so, just go
2: outside and R- do Raquel, something nice.
0: You're in San Francisco, right? Yes. Let me let me tell you a little something about Utah. It's actually <laughs> pouring, almost freezing rain right now. 40 degrees and cloudy. <laughs>
2: okay, fine. So I, well, then- I will
0: take your advice, but well then then
2: i think um i'm gonna i'm gonna change that pick then and say you should go find your local lab or university and go on a tour because you need more science in your life and just a week ago or last weekend i went to the berkeley national lab went up the hill and learned about some of the most amazing science that is not even in magazines right now because it's just so new and it will completely blow your mind. And there are these grad students who are itching to talk to real human beings again instead of just their <laughs> samples. Um, do yourself a favor, go out, have uh, meet like really cool people. Um, if you don't have a national lab, just find your local university or something. You will learn something awesome, I promise.
5: <laughs> now you just made me jealous of your weather. Yeah, dude, I miss San Francisco now more than I already did.
2: Well, you should just come out, and yeah, you're welcome to come to the NPM office anytime in Oakland. Oakland's even sunnier than San Francisco.
5: (laughs) San Francisco's covered in fog. Will we get spray-painted if we go to Oakland now? No, you won't. (laughs) You
2: won't. Instead, Instead, I will take you to Chinatown, and you can get, like, the most delicious Chinese and Vietnamese and Japanese and Korean food you've ever had in your life, and it'll be really cheap. And unlike the rest of California, it won't necessarily be organic and grain-fed <laughs> or whatever, but it'll be delicious.
5: <laughs> That's the important part. That's all. I, I think I really so care too. About.
2: That's my opinion.
5: But anyway,
1: <laughs> very nice. Well, thank you for coming. It, it's been uh, really cool to talk about, and I'm I'm excited to see what uh, what people wind up doing. So if you wind up doing a project, this inspires you at all, let us know. And, Definitely. And uh, how should they tweet at you if they do something like that?
2: Um, I am Rockbot, R O C K B O T on Twitter. That's the easiest thing. And then you can always find me. I have a blog website, whatever, at either RaquelVelez.com or a simpler link is uh, Rockbot without the vowels, or Rockbot.me. Rockbot.
5: It's Missy Elliott lyrics. Yeah, Yeah.
2: you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had, um, we had a hack night last night, and there was a guy that was uh, trying to turn rabbits into frogs. So Nice. <laughs> anyway, that's just what it made me think of the workbook. Anyway. Like, ribbit. I get it. I got it, finally. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, we'll wrap up the show. We'll talk to you all later. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. bandwidth for this segment is provided by cashfly the world's fastest cdn deliver your content fast with cashfly visit c-a-c-h-e-f-l-y.com to learn more do you wish you could be part of the discussion on javascript jabber do you have a burning question for one of our guests now you can join the action at our membership forum you can sign up at javascriptjabber.com slash jabber and there you can join discussions with the regular panelists and our guests